0: What's going on, everyone? You have tuned in to Marking Out the Days. That's right, the special collaboration between myself, Dave Rosenbluth from Kicking Out at Two, and my co-host from Mania, Kobe Nida. What's going on, man? Ooh,
1: ooh. You know, just watching a bunch of wrestling. That's what's going on, wrestling. <laughs>
0: Very, very cool. Yeah, a lot of wrestling. That's what we do every week. Uh, have a lot of fun with it, and uh, you know, th- thank you so much for joining me uh, once again this week for marking out the days. Uh, I appreciate you uh, giving me the helm for for a little bit here with the. Um, for the uh it, the, the 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 opening here yeah. i'm losing my train of thought so uh yeah we got a lot to get into this week with the date being january the 7th we've uh or excuse me january the 17th i'm really losing it today man i don't know what's going on hey, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's,
1: it's all right did you get snow up your way
0: uh no we were supposed to as a matter of fact okay. i was praying for us i was praying for a snow day at work for tomorrow um the snow i guess missed us however um we are going to uh possibly experience some snow later this week in fact uh the 18th of january they're saying that we're supposed to get some heading into martin luther king uh weekend so uh we'll see what happens over in the uh the, the, the nutmeg state when it comes to snow. Yeah. But um yeah, January seventeenth, uh we got a we got a couple of good nuggets of wrestling history um that uh I think we should get into this week. But first We have to celebrate birthdays, because that's what we do here on marking Out the Days. Yes, indeed. However, before we get into the birthdays, Kobe, why don't you let everyone know what's going on on your end over on Retromania this week? Oh, yeah.
1: Retromania, we just dropped episode 12, where we're covering uh, post-WrestleMania 6 We're doing the 1990 SummerSlam and Survivor Series, doing some fantasy booking there. I'm talking all things Sting being the champion right now he has just dethroned macho man randy savage in the ultimate challenge post uh wrestlemania 6 so this is an interesting time and we get the introduction of the undertaker um and i just did a bunch of like cartoon covers for the uh the season that we have going on right now hulk mania is dead and uh yeah you can check that out on the facebook page i uh, hope you enjoy it i'm going to be dropping the instagram page soon so we can have more interactive like pictures stuff going on for this show marking out the days as well as everything on retromania and kicking out it too
0: very cool yeah i saw i, I caught a couple of those cartoons i was impressed i thought it was uh I, i'm i'm into that sort of stuff so i've uh i i, I certainly impressed the amount of time it took and uh you know, for you to for you to do that for your show. Yeah, very, very cool. Thanks,
1: man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I got a little Huey on, like, drawing board, so I was, like, I went wild with it last night. So I was, like...
0: I was pretty... It was pretty cool. I, I'm a big person when it comes to, like, colors. Like, like, you know, colors have to pop, and that was one part of, like, when I developed my logo that, like, I needed, like, you know, the standard basic colors um, to... To pop, right. so that like the logo stood out and like it definitely stands out from like from you know for me personally um, as a as a viewer oh, go, scrolling through the page, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it was very it was very cool with all the different colors, the reds and the yellows and the greens. If if you can kind of understand, yes. you know, the vibe I'm going appreciate with here.
1: It. Yeah, um, yeah, you can catch all that on Retromania on Facebook page and uh, as always, our um, our link on Retromania.blogspot.com. And Mulhollradio.com. And uh, Dave, what's going on with you and kicking out at two?
0: All right. Well, this week we just dropped part two of Second Place is the First Loser as we discuss Royal Rumble runners-up from 2004 all the way to 2018. Chris Donovan, my good buddy, he joined me last week for part one as we covered 88 to 2003. He returned once again... Returned once again this week to cover uh, 2004 to 2018 All the what is the couldas and the shouldas And how these Royal Rumble runner ups Fare in Royal Rumble history Like I said we give all the love to the Winners and all the guys with the great Accolades but I feel like there's a reason Why these individuals were the Runners up and I thought it would be I thought it would be important to touch Upon that in Royal Rumble history as We head towards the Royal Rumble in the next Few weeks and uh, Next week uh, regarding the Royal Rumble, we're i am kicking on it too. We're gonna celebrate the 25th anniversary of the 1994 Royal Rumble, the Royal Rumble where both Bret Hart and Lex Luger simultaneously eliminated themselves, thus becoming co-winners of that year's Royal Rumble. We're going to do a special watch-along of that Royal Rumble match. So you find us on SoundCloud.com. You can also find links of the archive shows over on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at 2. We're going to cover the Royal Rumble match from 1994. So it's not yeah, going to be a watch-along awesome. of the entire event, but we're just going to do that particular match itself, the night that Brett and Lex became the co-winners of that Royal Rumble. So you can stay tuned for that uh, January the 23rd. this coming Wednesday yeah that's cool. over at soundcloudcom and anywhere else you can find kicking out it too
1: yeah and it's really uh, it's really uh, fun doing this show with you Dave I gotta say because uh, we're kind of doing the road up to the 1994rumble Royal Rumble in a way uh, leading up to it so this podcast can kind of go along as a co-companion to your podcast as well um, yes you know uh, if people like doing the chronological stuff uh, we kind of do that here uh, so you know it Helps,
0: yeah, absolutely I mean it's if you miss something on on my end on kicking out it too, we make sure that we uh, we cover it on the back end on marking out the days and like you said, complementing one another when it comes to certain you know time periods in wrestling history, um, I, you know and that's in some ways like I've told you before, and on this show, um, I try to pattern um, my show. In some ways, chronologically, but loosely, uh where as opposed to this show, we stick to that date, we cover that date, we don't stray right. off on another day in wrestling history until the the you know that time comes, so uh you know. Very cool that we are covering. Uh, you know, we'll be covering uh, an episode, actually the go home episode of Raw uh, in 1994 on January the 17th uh, on today's show, uh, as well as a house show that took place that same evening in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But uh, before we get ahead of ourselves, why don't we uh, why don't we get into the birthdays this week? Let's how about it. you? Uh, how about you kick things off with us? Okay,
1: I will kick things off by punching out the candles with uh, Muhammad Ali. Um, happy yes. birthday to the great one Muhammad Ali 1942 he was born
0: yes uh, Muhammad Ali obviously a, a big name just not only in boxing but in um, in pop culture and society uh, an individual who um, you know was once known as Cassius Clay mm-hmm. and uh, an individual who um, you know for, fought for civil rights in the United States and uh, you know be, Became a big name in that aspect as well as in the professional, you know, boxing realm and his 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 numerous fights with uh, you know George Foreman and Joe Frazier and of course we you know this being a wrestling podcast some of the memorable things he had been involved in in professional wrestling mainly being the the outside ring enforcer for the main event of WrestleMania One, yes. uh, which most people remember him for. Um, you can't. I'm the Actual
1: first fusion match. Of- of uh, him and Anoki, wrestler versus uh, right. boxer that's as That's well. right. How could, that was Vince yeah. McMahon. Even the stuff uh, promoting with
0: that. Gorilla Monsoon, yes. too, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I, I completely spaced and forgot no, about that. No, you're good. But
1: yeah, um, that's that's another reason why we're bringing him up. He's very synonymous with the wrestling culture as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. He. I know he made a few appearances in uh, uh, WCW. Mm-hmm. Um, in, I think when Hogan came in, I believe he, he was... Yeah, something like that. I believe he had a few, you know, small, quick appearances. But um, I'm actually kind of surprised that, um, you know, his name was not put into the the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, since that has become a regular thing in the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I I'm kind of surprised that you know he hasn't been put in yet. But I would imagine uh, within the next couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in this year, considering that he just passed away, um, last year. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, they put him in the celebrity wing of the hall of fame, but you know, be cool to have time him. will tell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he deserves it. You know, if anything like, you know, his, his mainstream status, um, helped attract, you know, mainstream viewers to watch wrestling and especially that first WrestleMania. Um, definitely. and I think that's what definitely helped that WrestleMania was the celebrity effect, um, that you know i'm sure that we'll touch upon not only in this show but on on my show as well kicking on it too somewhere down the line but you can't take away muhammad ali's contributions even though they weren't there weren't very many his contributions to the world of professional wrestling right
1: float like a butterfly sting like a bee uh stinging like a bee here too a guy who is in the actual uh celebrity wing of the wwe hall of fame kid rock born 1971 just a
0: side note um oh okay yeah. yeah yeah The K.I.D. Um, provided uh, many of many a soundtracks to some uh, some uh, highlight videos in WWE. More in particular, that one I'm sure you remember it very well. Uh, that song "Lonely Road of Faith" yes. Yes, uh, in 2002. How can when, I forget that? Uh, what the storyline was was flair was trying to rick flair was the co-owner of the wwf and he was trying to uh to to stop vince mcmahon from bringing the poisonous nwo to the wwf and he had introduced this uh this video of the history of the company and the song behind it it's probably it's probably the greatest uh you know, music video that I think WWE had put out with at that time, mm-hmm. um, with all their uh, so with all their stuff. They call it the WWF or WWE Desire video. Yes. So, if any of you are listening and you want to go check it out, you're not familiar with it. Uh, Click on YouTube and, and write Kid Rock, Lonely Road of Faith, and I'm sure you will find uh, the, the video that aired in uh, February of 2002 on Monday Night Raw. It's unbelievable, just the history of, of the, the, the company that was um, illustrated in that video and the song behind it with Kid Rock. It's, it's, it's truly a work of art.
1: Agreed, agreed. And uh, how could we forget the uh, also Are You Scared? When he did the music for the American Badass. Um
0: Undertaker, yeah. yes, that's right. It was a big moment yeah. there for him. Um That was a little that, for me as a fan, that was a little um I, I, I didn't know how to take to that because I I was you know, I'm a traditional wrestling fan like yourself, and I didn't know uh I didn't know how to take to American Badass Undertaker. Even though it sounded cool when he came out to the Kid Rock song, um I just didn't know uh how how i was going to react to that you know version of the undertaker character because uh, i was so used to the dark side mm-hmm. um you know the the, the undertaker i so.
1: i will never forget uh. that night it was so surreal to see him like that um not the undertaker you know mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah kid rock definitely a, a big mo- mo- a big part of that moment for me um so yeah happy birthday kid rock
0: Yes, very, very cool. And uh who else do we have on the uh the birthday docket this Last week? Last but
1: not least, I'm just gonna give a big shout out to Mark Briscoe, born nineteen eighty five. I'm a fan of the Briscoe brothers. Um definitely appreciate their tag team wrestling and what they've contributed to uh contributed to the wrestling uh industry. And uh there's some roughneck guys. They kinda remind me of uh y- you know, a rougher more technical version of uh, the Bushwhackers, um, okay. So, and it's kind of like what we've created at Retromania on Hulkmania is Dead. We we have the Bushwhackers a little more violent, uh, like the Sheep Um yes, that they used yes. to be. So, yeah, it, it's really cool. I, I like I like Mark Briscoe. So, uh, shout outs to him. Happy birthday!
0: Yeah, I don't know too much about the Briscos. I'm not a Avid Ring of Honor follower, viewer. I try to watch as much as I can. But um, those guys have, uh, you know, in the in the 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 17 year existence of that company, have been there since day yes. one, and so um, they've really been through the evolution of Ring of Honor and have really made a name for themselves by sticking with them uh, for 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 the the 17 years that they've been, you know, together as a team. Uh, I'm sure they've had plenty of offers to go to wwe and into the nxt uh you know brand uh, a few times over yeah. but they've been loyal to um to, to roh and i think that's pretty cool you don't find that too often in wrestling these days especially when it comes to uh, big money contracts. No,
1: agreed uh, a dream tag team uh matchup for me would be brother versus brother versus brother versus brother, versus brother. the uh Tonga tongaloa versus the usos versus the briscoes versus the young bucks um
0: that would be pretty cool. Right. I would I I would definitely get behind that. That that would be pretty cool. I like that. Yeah.
1: Alright, well happy birthday, Mark Briscoe. Um all right, let's let's move on. You ready to go to the the first noteworthy thing of our day of January seventeenth?
0: Yeah, in nineteen eighty seven a very special edition of Piper's Pit took place where um Rowdy Rowdy Piper Uh, hosted a a special edition of The Pit with President Jack Tunney rewarding Hulk Hogan with a trophy. I don't remember if it was for, like, Wrestler of the Year or For having the title for three years. Okay, so he gave him a trophy for having the title for three years. And uh, I remember watching this back, you know, just recently, uh, you know, taking notes for for today's show. And uh, I just remember Jack Tunney was like, all right, everyone, I'm going to read what's written on the trophy. Like... (laughs) There was no real, like, professional, formal announcement. Right. It was just like, we're going to give Hulk Hogan a trophy because he's held the belt for three years. Meanwhile, Bruno and Bob Backlund had the belt for, like, fucking 14 years combined, and where's their goddamn trophy? Yeah, I'm not you know? sure if they ever did well,
1: gimmicks like that. They might have, but, uh, yeah. Not, I, not that but yeah, I
0: know. So, so I thought it was kind of silly, but, um, you know, Hogan, they brought Hogan out. They trotted him out, and, uh, you know, as a kid, I vaguely remember this but going back watching it earlier this week I was um, I, I just looked at I, I just looked at it as like very like campy and very um like another way to, to, to really put Hogan over like it was like over the top you know that you had to do this but they went this route so that they could um they could get um, you know, to Hogan and Andre and eventually Andre came out and uh, you know, subtle nuances is what I'm big about in in in, in storytelling. And Andre just came out and basically shook Hogan's hand. He had a very firm handshake. Mm-hmm. Hogan didn't know what to make of it and all of a sudden he was like, Three years, it's a long time to be champion And he got up and he just walked out. The long and Hyper to be didn't know what young. to make of it. Uh yeah. And and Hogan, you know, he just kind of went back to you know putting himself over, and I reached the mountaintop, brother. And this is such a great honor, brother. And Andre's my brother, brother. And this was the the beginning stages of the the the, the seeds of dissension mm-hmm. between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant as we headed towards their showdown at WrestleMania three. Yeah, um, I thought this was a good way to to start that, um, and it made you want more. Um, if I was you know. If I was 35 years old back in 1987, I'd probably be just as excited to want to know what happened um, and why Andre came out and was very short with Hogan as, a, as the same way I was in 1987 when I was four or five years old, you know, because yeah. even as a – I don't remember my thoughts on this as a kid, um, and I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up, but this to me was um, – I'm sure it left a lot of people puzzling and wondering. Well, why did Andre just come out just to, you know, congratulate Hogan and and the way he ended his segment with like three years to be a champion is a long time, and then just got up and walked out. Like it has to make everyone wonder what he was doing out there in the first place. Yeah,
1: um, it's it's subtle enough as WWE standards go. Um, it was definitely perfect storytelling for that, and at the time, Andre hadn't been defeated um to WWF standards as again yeah um,
0: well just just like he hadn't been slammed correct. in WWF until Hogan did it but meanwhile you go on YouTube you find Brody and Stan Hansen and anyone else that's Harley done Race, it slam Andre Hogan had Race done it before. slammed him. yeah in Japan so i mean you know
1: yeah. it's uh, you know WWE if it doesn't happen here it didn't happen anywhere
0: well they gotta rewrite history too as well that's you know if, if 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 they don't if not that many people saw it before winners we'll... write history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly they, they that's very true there's no truer statement than the than the winners write history, and uh at the time they certainly rewrote their own history yeah. um if if people didn't see it before they made sure they saw it afterwards so yeah, um i mean I guess it was a smart strategic uh marketing tool on their part mm-hmm. to kind of you know promote that Andre was undefeated and he had never been slammed because more people were watching wrestling in 87 than they were four or five years prior plus it's like so. it's, it's, the,
1: it's wrestling is like looking at, at a, comparing to comic books you can like relaunch once you go to a different yeah. fad, you know yeah um, absolutely so they, they could retell a story or kind of rekindle something or this has never been done yeah uh,
0: wrestling wrestling is, is notorious for recycling um you know, stories and and, and, and things like that. Yes. And it's no different than television and movies and, and, and other forms of entertainment, music, and even sports. Yep. Things get recycled and reused, and that's just the way it is, yes, you know.
1: Yes, definitely agreed. And as the cycle continues, as people are getting body slammed, as the snow falls down right now, I'm looking out my window in the basement. Uh, it's coming down. We got like seven inches here in Maryland right now. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if the snow fell down January 17th, 1994.
0: Um, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if the snow did fall on January 17th, 1994. Um, I mean, you tell me, uh, what, what kind of snowfall are we talking about here? Are we talking about the snowfall that took place in Madison square garden on that same evening? Or are we talking about the, uh, the snowfall that took place in, uh, I believe it was uh, Virginia or West Virginia, uh, where Monday Night Raw was held on that particular evening. There were there were many different storms of brewing in the World Wrestling Federation on that particular yeah. date in 1994.
1: Yeah, two of two in fact, uh, Richmond, Virginia, and Madison Square Garden. You're correct. Okay,
0: it's Richmond. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, for some reason, I thought West Virginia, but that's actually. Oh, now that I think about it, it's for when we're going to talk about sold out '99. Yeah. In, in a few moments. Well, but let's let's let, touch on let, the Monday Night talk. Raw
1: first because that was actually taped yeah. on the 10th. Um so yes. it was a little bit before but you know it aired on the 17th. So we kind of do it chronologically here to where the release date comes unless it's like synonymous yes, to where like somebody died or a title change, you know or you know.
0: Yeah, something major, yeah. something huge, yeah. Uh, speaking um, of
1: somebody died before we go on. I'm sorry. This was the day that um iron mike sharp passed away 2016 and i'm just bringing him up because randomly he shows up in the madison square garden show that i'll be covering it's just sometimes our storylines are you know how last week it was like the brother stuff going on and infuding. you know it's just weird yep. stuff happens every day that we cover here at marking out the day so again thank you for the bizarre ride
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, so, would you like me to uh, to, to get things started when it, on the on the Monday Night Raw? Yeah, time? let's do that. All right, all right. Um, on Monday Night Raw, um, January 17th, 1994, not a whole lot really took place. This was the go-home show for the 1994 Royal Rumble event, which was to take place um, that following Saturday, not normally on Sundays. Pay-per-views fell on Saturdays at some mm-hmm. times. Um, this was the case for uh, the 1994 Royal Rumble. I talked about it kind of on uh, a recent edition of um, of this show, marking out the days where the ninety three Rumble – Actually, no, I'm sorry. I talked about it on last week's Kicking Out at 2. The 93 Rumble took place on a Sunday uh, afternoon, which was at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which I thought was kind of interesting. But this Rumble takes place on a Saturday. This is the go-home for Raw. And not too much took place. They were really hyping up the the Yokozuna Undertaker casket match. Um, Yokozuna being uh, scared of the casket. And, uh, you know, him and Mr. Fuji were... In the middle of the ring, yeah. and uh, as they were in the middle of the ring, uh, you know Vince was t- trying to egg on Yokozuna being afraid of the casket, double and wide, you can't even say D. the word casket. Yeah, you can't even say the word "casket." <laughs> and Mr. Fuji is Mr. Fuji is like, "No, Vince, my man, you don't say casket." <laughs> and then uh, and then Paul Bearer comes out with the the double wide. Double deep Bear. casket for Yokozuna's rotting carcass, <laughs> and uh, so Mr. So Paul Bear comes out, lights are out, and uh, you know Vince is trying to get a handle on the situation, and Fuji. other will forget Fuji. He's like, you, Paul Bear, you make funny face. You look like you look funny face. Yes, I. My Yokozuna gonna squash the casket, and. <laughs> he came out and um yo and Vince was like he's gonna squash the casket and he like this i got to see and <laughs> mind you as this as this is all going on um an individual who was managed by mr fuji at the time was also guest color commentator for crush. the evening crush um from from kona hawaii brother and uh he, i found crush's hawaiian accent to be very obnoxious um, brother, i don't think it's even real to be honest with no, you brother. um I don't think it is. I really don't, I don't think, think it is so, because I didn't. I never remembered Crush having a Hawaiian accent, but he was like, you know, Vince McMahon, you be quiet, brother. Yokozuna, he not for the casket, brother. And it was just like it, it was. It was just very like obnoxious and annoying. Yeah. Although I did like the aspect of the guest color commentator each week on Raw. I thought that kind of brought something different to Raw at the time, Agreed. and I think it's some. I think it's something that WWE could implement in today's landscape, either on Raw or SmackDown, where they take a guy who's not featured regularly on TV enough, maybe someone like a Zack Ryder or someone like an Apollo Crews or... Even a Titus O'Neil, and you have them just just try them out each week. Try a different guy right. each week, and see what sticks and see what doesn't. You know what I Agreed. mean? And you could either develop them into a future color commentator, or you can develop them, you know, into a storyline on the main roster shows. I mean, I don't see why they they don't try more stuff like that nowadays. But I thought it was cool in 1994. You know, even even as bad as Crush was in this role. Um, I thought it was interesting that he was with Vince on this show, but nonetheless, Crush is doing the commentary, and Yokozuna opens it up, and boom, there's the Undertaker out of the double-wide, (laughs) double-deep casket, and, uh... He 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 ran out of the ring and he tripped and fell over and then he heard the gong and you know Crush was like he tripped brother he tripped don't be afraid what's the matter with you Yokozuna he tripped brother Uh, he's gonna get he's gonna take care of Undertaker the Royal Rumble brother and uh, yeah that was I I mean I remember watching that as a kid and I thought it was pretty cool Um, it was a fun little segment and I was looking forward to that Royal Rumble event um, after watching that Um, other uh, notable or should I say lack thereof. Um, uh, situations that transpired On this edition of Raw Owen Hart won a squash match Over a jobber guy that I don't even know Terry his name. Austin Tatanka did, Okay Terry no Austin relation to Stone Cold. Uh, <laughs> Good thing And uh, you know Because cause if he was related to Steve Austin He was losing that many matches man I don't know um, And then Tatanka uh, I believe wrestled uh, George South George South, yes. Tatanka wrestled George South and came out the victor. Uh Diesel uh defeated somebody else. Scott I don't remember Powers, his name. I No apologize.
1: relation to Jim.
0: Scott pa- No relation to Jim. Well, Jim was fucking pretty shitty after Paul Roma left him, so True. um I can't um, I can't imagine that Scott and Jim would have uh made a powerful combination. Pun completely intended there. Yeah. Um and then the main event was the macho man. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. huh? As he went after uh, IRS, the tax man, and uh, won by disqualification after Crush, who was, I'm sick and tired of this rat disrespected me, brother. and he got in the ring, and he beat on the Macho Man. Then we kind of saw like a little mini Royal Rumble take place at the end with Tatanka, and Yokozuna, and Lex Luger, and Bret Hart, and Shawn Michaels, and Diesel. They got involved, and it was a you know f- cool little way to end the show. Uh, but the 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 big. Uh, The big development on this show was the ongoing uh, uh, correspondent phone calls from Stan Lane at Madison Square Garden where he um, was giving updates to the the live audience watching at home of the developments during the one two three kid Marty Jannetty tag team title defense against the Quebecers, Mm -hmm. uh, which which I thought was a cool little – a a cool addition to the show. And going back overall – I enjoyed watching this Monday Night Raw. It wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. Um, it was kind of fun to go back and watch this. What I really loved most about this, not just the Yokozuna uh, casket thing and not the end, but when they had Todd Pettengill do the Royal Rumble report. Yes. I, As a kid, I used to get so hyped for those pay-per-view reports and you would hear new developments in the card and, and, and sometimes you would see like the video packages leading up and then they would announce the match and sometimes it was like, Todd Pettengill in front of a green screen, or they had somebody in the studio, like me and Gene Okerlund, uh and with the with the, the the video monitors behind him. I thought that stuff was so cool, um, and I wish they would do more of that too yeah. into today, in today's uh, th- today's WWE. Mm-hmm. But uh, what was your take on this episode of Raw? And then let us let us all know what took place um, at Madison Square Garden that very same evening. Sure, yeah, uh, th-
1: I, I, like I said. Uh, I agreed with you. I definitely enjoyed the Monday Night Raw's from uh, 93 to 1997. I could watch those, like, any time. Just throw them on. Um, They're great little two-hour digestible shows, sometimes an hour, you know, uh, depending on Uh which time slot they were doing at the time. So this is another one that was easy to watch, uh, despite it having, like, jobber squash matches, but it's still fun. Uh, And Randy Savage wrestling again. Um, having that match with IRS, despite it just being an IRS match, but, uh, and the DQ finish, but still it's, it, it was a fun raw and then having the, the end, it really capped everything off. It's like it was reminiscent to how they do the go home shows for the raws now. It's like, they always do that. Um, so I'm not sure if this was the first time it had happened, but, uh, definitely very cool to see it was it was yeah, a little more absolutely. organic this way uh felt
0: oh yeah for sure it didn't feel very um contrived and uh and 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 very constructed mm-hmm. it was it was actually uh, one of the uh the, the the better put together editions of raw at that time
1: yes definitely agreed all right so um moving on to the January 17th 1994 Madison Square Garden house show that they had um this is a fan cam so it it's available on youtube you can look it up just look up that date msg and that'll be right there it's pretty cool um it's funny because i also have a fan cam uh review that jimmy and i did on a bonus episode of Retromania. It was the Macho Man Randy Savage and Bret Hart from 1994 match that they had for the title in Japan. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> I have to check that out. That sounds like something I'd get yeah, into. Yeah,
1: it was. It was fun. Um, and it's 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 really cool because this is like the time period where handy cams are coming into play. You know. Um, so this is that rare little window of where, you know, they were synonymous at shows and later, you know, the next year would be the MSG show of the departing where, you know, um, Hunter and diesel and razor and Sean all said their goodbyes.
0: Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: So, uh, yeah, so this was kind of reminiscent of all that. Um, but the quality isn't too bad. It's, it's, It's watchable if you want, but I will do my best to run it down right now so that you might not have to. Um, (laughs) Steiner, Rick Steiner versus Ludwig Borga at the beginning. Uh, Terrible match. Very slow in plotting, and they end up fighting on the outside and they get a double count out. Nothing to write home about at all.
0: Now, before you get into the next match, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, would would this be Ludwig Borges last match in the WWF? I remember hearing a story that he might have broke his ankle or hurt himself during this match. Yep. Um result resulting in him not being able to compete against Tatanka, Tatanka at the Royal Rumble later that week. Yep. Uh
1: I, I believe that okay. is these this is the synonymous night.
0: Okay. All yeah, right. this night has Continue. a lot of
1: uh has a lot of like little gems in it. Um Next up, we have the WWF Intercontinental Championship match. It's Double J Jeff Jarrett against Razor Ramon. The crowd is going apeshit for Razor. He is so over right now. And it just, like, makes me think, like, man, they could have done... He could have been the WWF champion in my eyes. Um, what what are your thoughts?
0: On Razor potentially being the WWF champion?
1: Yes, 94, 95.
0: Um... You know what? Uh, it's funny that you say that because um, he's a name that uh, I, I brought up in a recent edition of Kicking Out at 2. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride, yes. where we discuss the greatest wrestlers to never wear the World Heavyweight Championship. And he's one of those guys that we discussed. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid... Um, Eleven twelve years old, thinking to myself, you know why isn't razor Ramon fighting for the w w f championship like he's he's been the intercontinental champion three or four times he doesn't you know why why someone as good as him is not competing for the w w f championship like I'll be honest with you um when michael's won the title in ninety six I was kind of hoping we would see a razor sean um Ladder match for the WWF title as like the rubber match to their two previous ladder matches. That would have been, cool um, you know, in in '96. Unfortunately, um, for 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 the WWF at the time, Razor Ramon Scott Hall would end up going to to WCW in May of '96. But uh, you know, I I definitely would have been behind Razor Ramon as the World Wrestling Federation champion. At the same time, though, hindsight being twenty twenty. I understand why they didn't put him in that position. Not because he wasn't talented enough, but I feel like um, they probably felt his talents were better suited to be like a mainstay in the Intercontinental Championship picture. To
1: help other guys, to help them get the right. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like Jeff Jarrett, who was fairly new to WWF programming at that time. Yes,
1: indeed. Um, So this is like a slow plotting type match. Um, Fans here at MSG um are still hot though they uh, they're just as hot as the Smelling Moon Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia that you covered. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Smelling Moon is that that was the real name, right? if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Ridiculous. Oh my god, the Smelling Moon. Yeah, smelly. Which, a, what, smelling what, what, monsoon
1: is all what, what? I think of, which would be you'd have to I sit believe- in gorilla <laughs> position and have somebody sit in gorilla position on on you, you know or something? Yeah. <laughs>
0: The Smelling Moon, let me, what's the arena across the street called? The Stinky Balls? Yeah, I'm not sure. The the Stinky Balls Center? Like, you know what I mean?
1: Sweaty Balls. The Sweaty Balls Bingo Halls.
0: That's in Philadelphia, by the way. Oh, true, true, (laughs) true. Just unofficially named. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry, continue. No, it's all
1: good. I like having little uh, off-riffs. Uh, but, yeah, so this is a like a slow-plotting type match where Jeff Jarrett's utilizing um, sleeper hold stuff and uh, trying to wrench the arm of Razor Ramon. He actually does a nice assisted backflip, like Razor assists him, and he does a backflip while he's got uh, Razor's arm rung, and it goes right into a chokeslam from Razor. This is a cool little spot. Oh, nice. nice. So they're both down. Uh, we get them running against the ropes. We get a crossbody from Jeff Jarrett, Razor ducks. Referee Earl Hebner eats that crossbody and uh we get the Razor's edge set up, but Shawn Michaels comes out and the crowd is going apeshit like they fucking hate Sean right now. Um not wow. a guy who is liked at this time. Um and he he grabs Jeff Jarrett while the referee is still um, down and he was going to get you know, Razor's Edge, he grabs his leg and pulls and saves Jeff Jarrett. Um, but he gets punched by Razor. Then uh, Jeff Jarrett gets a Razor's Edge. The ref finally sees one, two. Shawn Michaels pulls Razor's leg out from under the ring and the referee calls for a DQ. And we get a bunch of like uh, Shawn and Jeff Jarrett uh, like buddy buddy stuff and they duck blows from Razor Ramon and he chases him out of the ring and they kind of you know tease him back and forth but the crowd is going wild for this um not a not a feud hotter than Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels at the time to be honest
0: certainly not you know what's interesting too is you know as you're as you're talking about um the the, the crowd interaction their participation in the match um it's it's very interesting because just Two months later, they'll be hosting WrestleMania 10 in that very yep. same building. So it's kind of it's kind of ironic where um, where that storyline was headed and how it blo- how it was blown off and culminated in that very same building. Yep. I, I think that's I think that's just something interesting that just kind of popped up in my head that I was very kind of fascinated. I with. I think
1: the booking was done so intricately at the time. Um, you know, they're thinking about a house show right now. So they're teasing a house show, and then later they advertise the WrestleMania tickets going on sale for March 20th. WrestleMania 10 will be here at the Garden. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, like, literally, Shawn Michaels, like, ducked to go under the ring, and the fans, like, screamed so loud to, like, warn Razor. And then he, like, moved out of the way after Razor turned, and it was just, like, talk about, like, fan control, man.
0: Yeah, the two guys that are uh, you know uh masters ma- masters of their domain so definitely. to speak uh th- you know those two guys definitely could you know especially during a time period too when you know it's been s- spoken publicly amongst you know podcasters critics and even people within the industry that you know wrestling was not in the greatest place financially in 1994 mm-hmm. um they and them the you bad know friends. for yeah, but at the same time, and I've I've always said this and I'm sure you could probably attest to it as well living in the in the northeast area. Wrestling fans in the northeast are probably some of the most loyal fans ever. Yes. They'll go and see any kind of wrestling, good, bad or yeah. ugly. And you could make an argument for for wrestling fans down south True. as well. But in the northeast, they will go to just about anything. And and I and I think that point is proven based on the WrestleMania that's coming up in April in New Jersey. Um most wrestling fans or should I say a good portion of wrestling fans are not 100% solidly behind WWE's product mm-hmm. um right now um but however they'll still go buy a ticket because it's WrestleMania yes. and you know it a testament to the to the people that were in attendance at the Garden that night for that house show that you know they still went and they got a hell of a performance uh between uh not only just uh, you know Scott Hall and, and Jeff Jarrett, but with Shawn Michaels' inclusion into that match as well. Okay. Um, do you happen to have the attendance by the way for um, that show?
1: You know what? Let me look at it right here. It is nine thousand. Ooh, so uh, Ooh, very yeah. hot.
0: That's rough. Very hot. That, that's yeah. I mean, like if if you're describing it as being like super hot in that building for that, you know, in terms of the crowd energy. Um did it sound did it sound like 9,000 people when they were getting into it or was it like did it sound like the the building was full?
1: Uh no, it sounded like it was filled.
0: Um uh, really? really? Wow. Fans
1: were hot. Uh and it might just be I mean, the the section of the guy were had the camcorder in, but uh no, I think okay. they like looking at the fans they were hot. Um there's a fight that breaks wow. out later too. So yeah. Oh, okay. So one right, thing, cool, cool. though, I did miss, um, that, which is not on the YouTube page. It's Scott Putzky defeating Iron Mike Sharp in the first match. So uh, Iron Mike, he's uh, happy death day. I don't know. That's that's morbid. Sorry. Did
0: Sharp, you ever hear? Did you ever hear? Sharp of the did week. Did you ever hear? <laughs> I know. We always manage to shit on yeah. someone that's passed Sorry. away. Um Did did you ever hear the story about how Iron Mike Sharp was such a a germaphobe that so I forget who it was. I want to say I heard it on Pritchard before on Pritchard's podcast, but I might have read it somewhere else. But um, Iron Mike Sharp used to shower religiously, like in the buildings, like before a match, after a match. He would take these like really long showers and he was working a show. For wWF one time, and he it was after he was done wrestling, he was in the shower, and apparently he was in the shower for so long that all the all the wrestlers were gone, all the officials in the company were gone. The people were leaving the building like that work in the building and the concessions and security and the people that work behind the behind the scenes in the building were leaving, and he was still in the shower. <laughs> They were shutting the lights off when they realized he was still showering. And then he had to get up and clean himself off, and they had to wait for him. But yeah, legit true story. I think Pritchard might have told it on one of his shows. But Iron Mike Sharp was notorious for <laughs> being like this super clean freak, um, like very, you know, germaphobe. Um, and then uh, a- another interesting Iron Mike Sharp story it's that I can recall uh, during my time on the Ken Reedy show, we used to have a regular caller by the name of. I'll give him a shout out Even though he probably Doesn't listen to me Because he doesn't like me Very well But um, We had a regular caller By the name of Mike Ferrara And Mike was pretty wild When he when he would get on the phone And shout call Shout out Mike um, I guess. And He would come up with These outlandish things Yeah um, And uh, Mike Called in uh, I think we did a show The day it was announced that Iron Mike Sharp had passed away, okay. and he called in and, you know, mentioned, you know, that Iron Mike Sharp had, you know, had passed away, and he told this story about how Iron Mike Sharp took his aunt or his aunt out on a date one night years and years ago, and uh, I don't remember if he told me that he met Iron Mike Sharp if or if, uh, you know, he just heard the story from his aunt, but... Um, you know, he could have been the nephew of Iron Mike Sharp. Uh, you know, <laughs> at least that's what he was trying. To, at least that's what he was trying to tell us at the end of that phone call. That is, Mike always that had is a. Uh, <laughs> that's
1: funnier than yeah, the stand. Mike, Mike,
0: Mike almost had a. You know, he was the kind of guy that liked to. Uh, you, you, you didn't. Ex- you didn't know what to expect with yeah. him, um, and it could. It could go one way or the other. But uh, yeah, that's that. When it comes to Iron Mike Sharp, yep, that's that's about all I got for
1: that's you. Funny as hell. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Mike iron Mike sharp. You are synonymous on this day, specifically January 17th for the rumble, the story that we got for your death day as well. Um,
0: And for being a clean son of a bitch.
1: Yes, indeed. (laughs) Uh, And for staying around, thanks for hanging around. Uh, So moving on the card here, just one other thing I wanted to look at here. Uh, Pro fight DB, where we get a lot of our information and stuff. Um, they have Jeff Armstrong listed for the match with Razor Ramon and Jeff Jarrett. Now, I can recall while watching this earlier today and last night, they said Double J Jeff Jarrett. So not sure why they have him listed as Jeff Armstrong. I know this is when Jeff Jarrett had just came on the scene, correct? In WWF.
0: Yeah, I believe he I believe yeah, I believe Jarrett started in late ninety three, I wanna say, like towards the tail end, like in like maybe November or December of ninety three. Okay. Um Jeff Armstrong, that's interesting. Um so so the the YouTube video you watched of the fan cam, they introduced him as double J Jeff Jarrett. Yes.
1: So I think this information is wrong because okay. the next match they have listed Yokozuna defeating Virgil, which is not correct. Harvey Whippleman comes out, he insults the crowd, and he talks about Total Destruction, which was kind of his promo, ironically. Um, and he talks about Adam Baum being introduced into the New Generation Rumble, Royal Rumble, that'll be held later tonight here. And uh, Yokozuna comes out, and he takes on Tatanka, not Virgil. Tatanka.
0: How can they be in two places right. at once? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Uh, Tatanka starts out hot on the outside. Um, they're like going wild. This is actually a WWF championship match. Um, so Tatanka hits Yokozuna with a salt bucket while the referee is down. There's a lot of referee going down spots. This is a house show. So they kind of play the same note over and over again sometimes. Um, And uh, we get the visual pin with Tatanka over Yokozuna, but um, the referee sees it too late, so we get a one-two kick out. Um, Tatanka goes to the top rope. He gets knocked off by Mr. Fuji while the referee is looking at Yokozuna. We get a big leg drop from Yokozuna. One, two, three, this match is over. And uh, Yokozuna retains. He squishes Tatanka. The refs come out. They get a stretcher for Tatanka. And uh then Yokozuna beats him oh, with boy. the Japanese flag. Little little disrespectful there,
0: but yeah. Which uh Yeah, <laughs> that, that wouldn't that wouldn't really uh, age well in 2018. No no no. So uh, considering how people are offended by everything.
1: Yeah. So um that um <laughs> that happens and The stretcher comes out and uh, the camera cuts and the next scene that we have is the Mounties, plural, coming out with Johnny Polo. And uh, they're taking on the tag team champions, Marty Jannetty and the one, two, three kid. This is for the WWF tag team championships. Um, We get some 10 punches in the corner from Marty and the kid. They're doing a lot of the rocker stuff right here. We get a bunch of kicks from the kid. They wear down the kid and Marty, the Mounties, that is. Then we get the kid up on the top rope. Guess what? The referee's distracted, and Johnny Polo pushes uh, the one, two, three kid off, and we get a big superplex um, from the kid, from the Mountie, to the kid, sorry, Uh, and then we get that double team assisted somersault move from the Mounties. One, two, three new tag team champions. This match goes about 20 minutes. It was okay. Um, but yeah, there's a tag team title change. And again, uh, hot off the heels of laugh last week's show and, uh, going into your show next week about the Royal Rumble with the tag team titles.
0: Yeah, I mean this was a big uh, point of contention on that same episode of Monday Night Raw earlier in the evening where the the post-match uh, interview that Vince conducted with Brett and Owen was discussing um you know the the uncertain uh opportunity that they may not be able to get re- with the results of the uh the, the championship match at Madison Square Garden. Um I found it uh I found it to be pretty cool and interesting. Um as a kid, you know, like i said on last week's show uh when we talked about it i briefly mentioned it that you know i i was like what there's two shows going on at the same time and one of them's not on tv like what's yeah. going on and and so they they kind of you know um gave us the impression that you know that something else was taking place and then you know Stan Lane would phone it in uh, a few times during some of the matches and discuss the uh, the what's going on the results and what I I found about interesting about Stan Lane calling in he called in during um, I forget which match it was I want to say it was during the diesel Mm -hmm. match at the end uh, he called in, and uh, he didn't even announce that the Quebecers won the titles. He was like, that Johnny Polo, he got away with – he it was highway robbery what he did. <laughs> and uh, he didn't even say, like, oh, the Quebecers won the titles or they're the new champions. It was like Vince had to, like, you know, almost, like, prompt Stan Lane to finally say, like – did they win? Did they win? And I think Crush was the one that actually, the only good thing he did on commentary that night on Raw was like, he was like, oh, well, there you have it. Brought a new tag team champions the Quebecers. Yeah. And then that's when you knew right then and there. Like, just the way that Stan Lane delivered it, or lack thereof, um, I thought was uh, rather interesting. And it goes to show, um, you know, his longevity as a commentator at that time yeah. for the WWF. Yeah,
1: definitely. I, I, I can kind of see like, especially someone coming from the outside, they're like, all right, you're going to announce something that is happening right fucking now, but act like it happened before, you know, but you know, like you have to like do the time thing with a tape show. Yeah. It, it could be confusing for them sometimes, but uh, us as wrestling fans, we're like, we get yeah. it. Um. yeah, So, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. So, yeah, uh, the title change right here for the tag team titles, that's pretty cool for everybody to see at a house show. Um, And definitely having Kid selling the injuries right there. Um, And then the tape cuts, and it comes back, and we have Fink announcing the tickets going on sale for WrestleMania 10, like I spoke of earlier. And then we have the new generation Royal Rumble, and I'm going to go through this real quick. I'm going to list off all the guys that were involved, starting with the first in chronological order. We have Diesel, Sir Mo, Butch, 123Kid, Scott Steiner, Iron Mike Sharp. He comes in for a hot second and gets thrown the fuck out. Uh, so, hello, goodbye. Today is your day. Um, <laughs> Samu of the Head Trinkers, Bob Backlund, Jeff Jarrett, Virgil, Bam Bam Bigelow, Macho Man Randy Savage, Adam Bomb comes in. Sergeant Slaughter makes an appearance and immediately eliminates Adam Bomb. So, good showing from Adam Bomb here. Um, Crush comes in, brada brada. Mabel, Jim Powers making another appearance. Uh, No, his brother made an appearance, I'm sorry. Uh, Bastion Booger, Luke of the Bushwhackers, Owen Hart coming in at number 20. Rick Martell, Bret Hart. IRS, Johnny Polo, Scott Putsky, looking like the ultimate warrior randomly here. He's got tassels on, his hair's down, covering God. his face. It's really weird. Um, Fatu, Marty Janetti, <laughs> Bart Gunn, 29 is Shawn Michaels, and number 30 is Doink. So, a lot of the guys at the beginning get eliminated and we get this Royal Rumble kind of cut in half of 15 competitors basically. Diesel runs a lot of the uh a lot of the front half of this Royal Rumble. Getting a lot of uh eliminations here and then eventually getting eliminated like uh, a weird weird spot but um yeah, Diesel gets eliminated by Macho Man and he's like assisting his legs over the top rope cuz Kevin could not get his leg over that top rope. Um funny, but yeah. Then uh the rest of the Royal Rumble comes down to Johnny Polo, Scott Putsky, Rick Martel, Bart Gunn, Doink, IRS, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Fatu, and Shawn. It's the latter half. We eventually get all those uh those uh those guys, Johnny, Scott, Rick, Bart, Doink, and IRS eliminated. And we're down to just Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Fatu, and Shawn Michaels. Uh, Fatu and Brett are battling and Brett gets eliminated by Shawn here. Little, uh, little note there. And Razor comes out to distract Shawn Michaels. Interesting. Yeah. Razor comes out. The fans are really hot. Um, he distracts Shawn Michaels. A little payback from earlier in the night. And Samu gets swung into the ropes by Owen, the rope fucking breaks, and Owen ducks a oh. Owen ducks a kick, Samu hits Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels is out of the ring. So it's Fatu and Owen with a broken rope in the ring. <laughs> Samu comes out to support Fatu. Then Bret Hart comes out to support Owen. Come on, you gotta do it. Uh, drop kick to the back of Fatou Owen Hart wins the new generation (laughs) Royal Rumble and yay Bret Hart and Owen celebrate and that's the Madison Square Garden show from 1994
0: Okay, all right. You know what I find interesting about that is that a um, few things. Number one, um, the majority of those guys were in the nineteen ninety four Royal Rumble match later yes. that week, um, with the exception of a few randoms like Johnny Polo and Scott Putzke. Um, Scott the, the most ultimate part, warrior majority...
1: Putsky it seems like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, there was there was that, so it sounded like it was like a test run in some ways to see how the the the, the Royal Rumble match um, later that week was going to be constructed and how they were going to go through it. Uh, what's also interesting about that is the finish that you talked about. Um, you said the final four was Brett Owen fought two and Shawn yep. Michaels. That three out of those four would end up being in the final four of the 1994 Royal Rumble match later mm. that week with, Luger p- replacing Owen Hart. So I'm kind of curious based off of what took place later that week, were the was the original thought Owen to be in the final four with Brett? I think, um, I think and Sean in Fatu? I'm thinking
1: Lex was main eventing a show somewhere else. They probably did three shows still at this time unless he was a d- dark match for the Raw that they were doing that day and Owen being a face at the time they wanted him to go over and Brett Instead of saying, yeah. I don't want to win, I'll let Owen win, and that can add more to our tension of when we do split next week at the Rumble. Uh, again, a Raw, lot of thought goes that into That Raw this.
0: was taped, correct, like yes. you said?
1: The 10th. But I'm not sure if okay. that day so, at MSG, uh, maybe the they had a show later that day where Lex made a vented or somewhere else where Lex wasn't available. Lex was not on this show at all. Um
0: and okay, so you, it, it's probably more likely that that they had another show somewhere else. They they did two shows, and it was you know considering it was a Monday mm-hmm. night um, that this house show took place. It's probably more likely that Lex main evented the other yep. town, uh, which if if I'm not mistaken, it, it could be anywhere. They could they could have been Philadelphia, they could have been the Meadowlands in New Jersey, they could have been hell, they could have been in Connecticut. Yeah, for all I know, um, they like to keep the keep the 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 crews somewhat close together in the event that they had to make a switch um on some of those cards but yeah that's it that's uh that's a, that's a yeah. good point I didn't
1: even if, it. if i remember correctly on the bruce pritchard and conrad thompson show um something to wrestle with they do mention that uh, i think around 92 to 94 that they ran uh house show royal rumbles and this was kind of like one of the last ones that they would yes. do um, and they were talking about having multiple times at the town. You had an A-town, B-town, sometimes you even had a C-town. So, uh, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe Lex Luger was at the Shwetty Balls bingo hall.
0: Who knows? Yeah. I, you know what? it 's funny that you talk about the a towns and the B towns and the C towns um, if you go on Twitter and you search for the history of pro wrestling or I think it 's the history of wrestling uh, yes. Twitter page, they like to show um the um, the 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 cards from uh, from from the programs the old uh, the, the old programs oh, and cool. they'll sometimes do like a comparison of uh which show was better so like it's, it's like the a show or the b Ooh. show. Um, and some of the cards are pretty fascinating. Like there was one in '87. Uh, not to go off topic a little bit, but there was one in '87 with, with um, Hogan, Savage, and Steamboat against Bret, uh, the Hart Foundation, Brett and Jim the Anvil, Nightheart and the Honky Tonk Man in a six-man tag team match. And they ran the Pontiac Silver Dome in the summer of '87 after that what? WrestleMania. They, granted, they only they only drew like twelve. Twelve or thirteen thousand people, and they had to obviously curtain off the the, the majority of the building, but still um, notable. Yeah, hope I know it was pretty cool. Hogan, Savage, and Steamboat, which were three of my favorites back then. So um, I, I I'll definitely uh, maybe we could find a link for it or something and put it up on uh, put we'll it up put on in the, the link what, the of uh, when we post of, the show. You know, yeah, definitely.
1: Um, Like last week's show, I posted uh, on the Facebook feed, I posted the match of the Fujinami and Backlund, as well as the Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid. Yes. So um, I'd like to do that for our episodes. Um, So any content that we have, we're going to have the segment from this week. The Piper's Pit will be the featured moment from this week um, in our Facebook feed. Yes. Yeah. So uh, moving on with the day. 1999, you want to flash forward to that year?
0: I mean, I guess, (laughs) um, you know, January 17th, 19, you could hear it in my voice, I know, right? Um, You know, there's, don't get me wrong, I love doing this show with you, man, and there's a lot of fun things about it, and then there's stuff that's not so fun about it, and you wonder why, um, and this would happen to be one of them, WCW presented, sold out, 1999, Yeah.
1: I understand. I'm sorry. But yeah. No, no not I, not necessarily. No, I, I, I get you just it.
0: wonder why yeah. like
1: <laughs> I'm I'm just fucking with you.
0: But um this is one of the reasons w- No, I know. I know. Um WCW sold out in 1999. What the fuck were they yes, thinking booking yes. Again,
1: another um, thing that we've mentioned like WCW um, shows it's like they have this whole roster and then they just fuck up the card.
0: Yeah, this is like Starcade 98 Part 2 all over again. Let's just put a bunch of guys nobody gives a shit about on this card, and we'll give you a little bit of what you like. But for the most part, we're going to present you something that's going to make you want to change the goddamn channel. (laughs) So here we are. Um, Luckily, I didn't buy this event. I went to someone's house who had one of those scramblers at the time to Um, watch this. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in a group of with a group of friends, and the opening match was Chris Benoit from the Four Horsemen against Mike Ooh. Enos, who was once known as one of the Beverly yep. Brothers in the WWF. Yep. And we're all looking at each other like, well, I knew who Mike Enos Blake. was, but a lot of the people in the room were like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, Blake Beverly, yes. And everyone's like, who the fuck is this guy? And, I, and then I thought to myself, I was like... Benoit is a part of the horseman is feuding with the NWO. Why are you opening this card with Chris Benoit versus one half of the fucking destru- Destruction Crew from the AWA? Yep. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't understand it. it. Like I, I would have much rather seen like Benoit versus like a member of the NWO. Yeah. Like if they put him in there with like,
1: they like, trying uh,
0: to Bagwell, or if they put him in there with, oh, yeah,
1: they're trying to like book a episode of Nitro Ray Ray. or
0: Brian Adams or even Scott Norton. Yeah. Like, I was like, "What the hell is this?" Like a,
1: it's like a booked episode of Nitro or Saturday Night.
0: This, you know what? I I, I mentioned on our very first show when we discussed uh, the Starcade '98 being the greatest episode of WCW Thunder. Yes, alive out yes. there. Like the Starcade '98 is the equivalent of the best episode of WCW Thunder they ever produced. Sold out '1999 is a great edition of WCW Power Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Except this hour went two hours too long, um, because holy shit! It only continues um, with uh, Norman Smiley taking on Chavo Guerrero, yeah. and I guess the storyline was was that Norman um, had stolen Pepe the Wooden Horse and then threw him in a wood chipper, and Norman comes out with an urn full of uh, you know <laughs> stuffed horse. So. Dumb. Um, which was so dumb. But this was their way of trying to give Norman a personality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Scream I mean, it Williams is what it Riley. is. Yeah. They did an angle where uh, um, Goldberg was attacked uh, by most likely the NWO. Yes. Um, and so he had some questions ankle. whether he was going to, yeah, his knee, yeah, his left knee. Where you were questioning whether he was going to make it to the main event against uh, Scott Hall later in the evening. Um Here's one that really just, like, kind of, like... I forgot about, and then when I watched it earlier, I was like, oh, my God, there's a good reason why I forgot about it. Finley took on... Finley. Van Van Hammer. Ugh. And Van Hammer was doing some sort of, like, hippie gimmick. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, Van Hammer is not a regular, and yet you're still putting him on? Like, what... He's a
1: mainstay for WCW since, like, 1990, I, I, I'm just
0: curious to know, like... Yeah. I mean, he'd been there forever, but, like, he was always, like, a WCW Saturday night main event guy. Right? <laughs> Again, this is the Power Hour not, edition.
1: You know, um, oh, my goodness. And yeah, I was like, Mike who, Enos, Who Hammer. filled out the survey? Yeah.
0: Yep. Who Like, who filled out the survey and said, oh, I'd love to see... You know, because Bischoff was always known for doing one of those focus groups. I'm just mm. curious to know, like... Who filled out the survey and said, I'd like to see more of Mike Enos, Van Hammer, and Norman fucking Smiley on my pay-per-views? Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, all jump out at once. I mean, come on. Like,
1: <laughs> well, this is West Virginia, so they're probably, they they might have done the focus group there. Um, oh, my goodness. No, yeah. no offense. Yeah. Audience of 10,000, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bam Bam Bigelow goes up against Wrath next. Um this is supposed to be like a hoss fight. What do you think of this one?
0: It wasn't terrible. Um I was just a little confused because like I liked wrath um at that time. They were kind of put they were kind of positioning him with like an undefeated streak and then they they fed him to Kevin Nash on the road to Starcade and he lost that undefeated streak. But he was still pretty popular mm-hmm. and I was enjoying some of his matches. Um, I had a soft spot for the Adam Bomb character, which you brought up earlier. Um, he yeah. was a guilty pleasure of mine. I, I like the shows. look. Yeah, I like the look uh, of him, and I just thought. I don't know, like, I mean, he wasn't was the greatest wrestler in the world, but yeah, I was a fan too. So, I didn't mind the the, the, the bigelow Wrath match. The only thing that I was confused by was that, like, um, I don't remember the setup for this match, uh, mainly because Bigelow was, like, all over the place. Like, he was part of the finish for Starcade that we talked about a few weeks ago, and uh-huh. he had his issues with Goldberg, but then Goldberg had his issues with the NWO, um, screwing him, and it was just very, like... It was confusing; like you, you couldn't keep up. So, um, right, this wasn't a terrible match, um, but I, I, I probably would have preferred, you know, a, a better build up. And it made me feel like that they just threw Bigelow on the card to throw him on the card because they were kind of building him up to be some somebody of importance on the on the show because of his Definitely. interactions with Goldberg. But if that was the case, why didn't you just do something with him and in Goldberg instead? Like, right. and I'll get into Bigelow in a little bit regarding Goldberg. But I just felt like this was something like, all right, let's just it's like they drew names out of a hat, like honestly, like and who's going to wrestle on this card this month? Because either that or all the, the, the big name talents decided not to show up and they just picked all the B team guys and said, here, we'll give you a payday. Come on. Yeah. But um, uh, the- moving on. Uh, we have Lex Luger and Conan, and the only thing that really came up in my mind regarding this match is why is Conan asking Lex Luger to so- toss his salad and peel his potatoes? Peel That's my potatoes. Want- That's all I want to know. He I-, you- I was like...
1: Toss my salad and peel my potatoes. There's ranch. I- He's, like, naming the dressings. Uh, yeah. A lot of uh, gay innuendo stuff going on, you know, yeah, at the I time. Mean, that was the was- cool thing to do.
0: Yeah, like, what? But what? Te- All right, let me ask you something. What young impressionable teenage boy, at that time, which was the market demographic that Conan's character was 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 targeting, what teenage boy would find ta- find another man tossing another man's salad and peeling his potatoes well, to be I- to be appealing?
1: I'll have you know, Dave. Okay. Uh, me right here, 1999. I was a 12 year old, and I had no fucking clue what he meant. But I was like, <laughs> I'm rowdy, rowdy, and bowdy, bawdy. Yep, yep. Peel, oh toss God. his ta- toss salad, dude. Why don't you suck so- his dick too? <laughs> suck it. You're like, no wonder. Like, I, you know, I have no problem with with homosexuals at all, and like, I, I'm a heterosexual. But it's just like there's so much stuff like I look back at it with wrestling culture and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, it's like covered in like yeah. homosexuality stuff like undertones, you know?
0: Yeah. So uh, should we care about the finish of this? Because. Uh, uh, OK, Liz in, sprays Conan in thing. the
1: eyes and uh, he gets racked by um, by Lex. And that's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All done. Next. OK. <laughs>
1: Perry Saturn against Chris Jericho, and this is a loser has to wear the dress, and this is classic Jericho for me with Ralfus coming out and everything, Um, and having the collusion with Scott Dickinson. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: this was good stuff. I uh, I I enjoyed it. I thought the the dress stipulation was cool, and um, Jericho was. Really setting himself apart from the rest of the roster. Because at the time, it was basically a, a an NWO free-for-all on TV. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I thought it was good stuff. I liked it. Yeah, there's a no really cool
1: it. ending, too, with like a Death Valley driver countered into a Lion tamer.
0: Yes, oh, um, yes, that was good. Dude,
1: really fucking cool. That was um, good. But it's a quick match again. Ten minutes. Um, and... Uh, There's a quick count by referee Scott Dickinson again. Like I said, collusion with Jericho. He paid him off. And uh, Saturn has to wear the dress, and he chases them off. And not too much to say after that, right?
0: Pretty much, yeah. As we move on to a fatal four-way cruiserweight championship match, it was Kidman defending the cruiserweight title against Rey Mysterio, uh, Juventud Guerrero, and La Parca. Originally, Eddie Guerrero was supposed to be a part of this match. Yeah, uh, but Eddie Guerrero unfortunately was involved in a a serious car accident uh, prior to that. Uh, I think like a few weeks prior. Or so yeah, Psychosis. one that
1: would ultimately affect his career overall too.
0: Yeah, he was out of action for quite a while. Yes, um, from at, following that. But um, yeah, this match was fun, typical cruiserweight stuff. I wasn't disappointed, um, and it really showed the ascension that they were. Um, they were the, the Kidman was on, his character was on a month prior he wrestled two matches at Starcade, uh, defeating Mysterio and Hooventude, and then defeating Eddie Guerrero in a singles match following it. And all four of these guys just brought it. It worked really well. And uh, there were times where it might have been a little clunky, um, but for the most part, the, the high-flying action, I think made up for it.
1: Yeah. Um, there were, yeah, like, I agree. There, it definitely took a couple minutes to get started in this match. Um, yeah. you could tell like they were having like some communication or trying to just block everything out and then once it started going it, it got into it on in hyperdrive the dives out um to the outside everybody had like their own special dive on the outside which was awesome um Hoovey ends yeah. the match uh getting hit with that shooting star press by kidman 15 minutes here nearly um pretty cool pretty cool though um, you know, uh, uh, going back to again, WCW Revenge. I, uh, you know, you had all these guys playable on that game, and you would just do your little four-way battle royals, and those were always fun. Um, so this is much like one of those matches.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely, and I felt the positioning on the card was interesting too. Like, because normally those cruiserweight matches, especially on a pay per view, or like the first or second match on the card, this one was pretty high up on the card. So
1: yeah, um, third, third from the third from the top.
0: Not that I'm some kind of expert what, by any means, but like I said at the at, when we discussed this at the beginning, who the fuck thought Benoit and Mike Enos was a great way to start the show? Yuck, right? <laughs> you yeah, Right? Like yeah, I could have done this with this. Been, I mean, maybe they wanted to try something different by putting them later on and much higher up on the card, but I would have much rather seen this match open the show than Chris Benoit and Mike Enos, who had no beef whatsoever. Right, right. Uh,
1: Moving on, we have backstage uh, segment with Booker T. He wants a word about the Jericho-Saturn match, and he challenges jericho and he's you know claiming he's got the referee in his pocket and uh yeah they have a match on nitro the next night which uh booker t ends up winning
0: yeah i mean i thought it was a good way to introduce you know jericho into a new rivalry even though he would still work with saturn later on uh You know, but but you kind of mentioned it earlier, the amount of talent that was left off this card as compared to like the guys that were wrestling on this show, like Booker T wasn't even on the card. He was in a backstage altercation with Jericho. Why wasn't Booker T on this card instead of fucking Van Hammer? I mean, like, come on, like, what? Honestly, what was what were they thinking?
1: Like, I could have done with Fit Finley and Booker T. That's a classic yes. match.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he made it like, if you put something up for grabs, like a shot at the, at the TV, TV title, title. or, yeah. you know, the, the, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Do something to make it make it care about it. Like nobody gave a shit about Finley and Van Hammer. Nobody gave a shit about Mike Enos and Benoit. Nobody gave a shit about Norman Smiley and Chavo Guerrero. And right. then eventually nobody gave a shit about the show in general. So
1: No, yeah, exactly. And we're like we're kind of like dwindling out here. And uh we have Rick Flair teaming up with his son David Flair. This is David Flair's first ever wrestling match going against Barry Windham and Kurt Henning. Um, so this is a f- feud kind of built off of Rick calling them horsemen rejects yep. um, and uh, them assaulting David and Rick, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, really, really siding this all with got, the NWO. Yeah, I mean, this really all got started where, like, you know, Flair took over as the boss of WCW, so therefore he was kind of going going down the, the checklist of people that have burned him in the past and, you know, couldn't... Kudos to WCW for staying, you know, keeping up with the continuity and the storytelling because Flair, you know, one of the main reasons why he wanted to get a hold of, of Kurt Henning was because of when Henning betrayed the Horseman a year and a half prior. Yes. So I thought that was kind of cool that they kept up with the, the consistency in the storyline. Yes. Um... And including Barry Windham, who's got history in the Horsemen. He was once a member of the Horseman. Um, yep. I don't know if he was a full-fledged NWO member at this time. No, but, this was uh, like the schism that
1: would go on where they would be the West, Tex- West Texas Rednecks in yes, due time. Yes, so, I remember. Uh, they kind of split from the NWO, and uh, but... that's that.
0: Really, what's memorable about this match more than anything? I think it went a little too long for my liking, but was the beatdown at the end mm-hmm. um, when the NWO came down and they beat up David Flair um, and and whipped him really bad with that weight Ooh. belt. Um, yeah. and, and I, I remember uh, watching of this earlier. Rick Flair,
1: oh God, oh, no, oh God, no.
0: You know, yeah. just... yeah. You could hear him visibly tell Hogan to go fuck himself at yeah. one point during the, during, during the whole exchange. Yeah. But um, this is what. What I remember more about this than anything else was, like I said, the beatdown, but when I looked in the ring and I thought to myself, and this is the first time I thought thought about this in 20 years, but back then in 1999 watching this, I was like, alright, same old shit, this is the NWO just doing what they do best, you know, mm-hmm. um, and the crowd was into it because they were chanting, we want Sting, and... yes. Um, which I thought was kind of cool. And I was kind of hoping for a sting run in because he was out for, he was out with an injury. So I was really hoping that like he would come back and And it would kind of be him against the NWO again.
1: Yeah. It's three years after the original sting uh, incident with NWO nearly.
0: Yeah. You know? So um, like Flair being handcuffed, I thought that was a nice touch and they really put a beating on David Flair. But looking back and seeing all these guys in the NWO, I felt to myself at the time, you know, yeah the two n w o split up and then they were against each other and then eventually they reformed and became all big one giant n w o all over again right. but I was really digging the 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 new wolf pack so to speak with like with with you know hogan and Luger and hall and Nash and Bagwell and Steiner like that like core group of like the the elite kind of players of the nwo and and i was getting a little confused i was like well if they're nwo why do these guys have the black and white shirts and these guys are only wearing the red and black why don't they come like this is my ocd coming into play i was like why can't they just come up with a new color scheme for them and they all wear the same fucking shirt but then at the same time i thought to myself why didn't they just trim the fat like i felt like in the storyline And this is me playing fantasy booker, and I hate to do this, but why didn't they? Why? Why not in the storyline? They go go the route of okay, Hogan and Nash are going to reform the NWO, but let's trim a little bit of that fat so the NWO can stay crisp and stay Mm -hmm. stay on top. Like Mm -hmm. I was hoping that like Horace Hogan, Virgil, Stevie Ray, Brian Adams, all gone from the NWO. Like I would have loved to have seen Hogan Hall, Nash, Buff, Steiner, Luger. Uh, Kurt Henning and I had a soft spot for Scott Norton because I love Scott Norton. I just thought he was a very physical, <laughs> so um, imposing guy, and I thought he would have been a. He, I thought he would have been a good addition to that NWO, um, w- you know, and just stay like the red, the new Red and Black, so to speak. But yeah. um, they didn't do that. They had you, you clearly had an NWO A team and a B team, and they were really running amok. Um, but. You know that—that's what I took away from that segment. It was a good beatdown. It got some good heat, and it made you a little bit interested in Flair and Hogan, even though I didn't really have too much interest in seeing Flair and Hogan for the title at that point. Yeah, um, I, I was more or less interested in seeing like guys like Sting come back, Goldberg kind of run through the NWO. Um, like I said to, like I said, on the trading places episode of kicking out of two, what I really wanted to see was Hogan get kicked out of the NWO and Nash and Hall lead the NWO and right. Hogan kind of go on the redemption tour of trying to get him, you know, get back in the good graces of not only WCW, but of the fans as well. But we, you know, right. saw same old shit NWO as usual. And, uh, yeah, enough of me rambling. That's what I took from it. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad beat down.
1: No, I agree. And what 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 I kind of took away from it is two points here. Sting being um, chanted by the crowd, you know, them calling for him. It just goes to show, yeah, that story being three years old with him in the NWO, and they like they kind of killed it yeah. in a way. But the fans just give the fans what they want. Sometimes, if they would have done that right. The fans still wanted it at that time in 1999, and you can hear it in that crowd. Um, They're, like, yearning for it right there. So if they would have done that, you know, just give them what the fuck they wanted. Instead, they had Sting joined in red and black, and then they messed up. uh, Yeah, like, uh, so take a ride with me real quick as I, like, give you my little rundown of my, like, fantasy booking of NWO real quick.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you.
1: It would go go the originals black and white, Um, Mm -hmm. you know the original 3 and then we go to 6 eventually um and then they get shut down by Sting that 1997 from that we get red and black which is just the outsiders at that time okay so then Hogan comes back mid year with the white and black and his cronies and they start feuding with red and black but mm-hmm. they they you know they eventually they eventually, like, collide, and from that, we kind of get them eventually coming together later, you know, after the, the the red and black and the white and black shut each other down. they come black, They come back yeah. as silver and black without Hogan at all. So, like, kind of the same thing. And then Hogan does his thing, vanquishes the NWO. Later, you can come back with Hogan coming back as, like, gold and black or red and, you know, like... NWO like if you know if you wanted to throw him back in there like uh, just fucking around but yeah Um, they could have done so Mm -hmm. much more but they kind of just
0: interesting yeah yeah.
1: so uh, again um, NWO mess here beating down um, Rick and David and David gets gets some good uh, lashings here
0: did he ever yeah I mean
1: yeah so alright moving on
0: yeah, the main event, um, the NWO's Scott Hall uh, taking on Goldberg in a um, ladder stun gun match where the object of the match is to climb the ladder and grab the stun gun, the infamous stun gun that caused uh, Goldberg's streak to end and for him to lose the World Heavyweight title a month prior at Starrcade to Kevin Nash. Yep. And uh, this wasn't a bad match. No, um,
1: not a, not I, a bad I, video package at the beginning either.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I thought that was a good way of setting it up too. And um even the ongoing story throughout the night of Goldberg's injury is he going to make it out? Um I'm sure we all knew that that was going to happen. They weren't going to not give us the main event. Yeah. Um,
1: Old babyface. I mean, that's that's trope. only
0: something that TNA used to do. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this this is WCW at the time. Yeah. Now I'm really now I'm not going retro for after that comment. But um yeah, well, overall I thought it was pretty good. Um The end, you know, with Goldberg stunning Hall and then Bigelow coming out and kind of resuming his issues um, with Goldberg and and Hall kind of getting the last laugh, Um, I was just kind of curious, well, where's the NWO? Uh, They were out out earlier. Why didn't they come out to help Hall? Like, I didn't get it. Like, there was no stipulation where they were banned from ringside. Where the hell did the NWO go? You know what I mean? I just thought it was kind of— They're all um, gone. Yeah, they were all gone. They all left. And it was like, all right, Scott, you take care of the rest. Um, but I, this was where I was like a little bit confused with the Bigelow situation because uh, Bigelow had, you know, for two months basically gotten involved um, with Goldberg and they were on a collision course and they were trying to build up to a match with the two of them. But at the same time, um, you know... It would just, everything just seemed to be very chaotic from a storyline perspective. There was a yeah. lot of moving parts, a lot of guys all over the place, and this was without Vince Russo writing for WCW at the time. He didn't have the book. But um, I, I was almost, as a kid, I almost remember saying to myself, um, why didn't Flair just put Bigelow and Goldberg together as a team to try and take out the NWO? Right, and then let them like kind of logic. get at each other, like almost like Flair saying, "Like, all right, you want to keep your job? You want a piece of Goldberg? You got to take out the NWO for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut the the head off the snake with Hogan. You guys take care of the rest, um, and, and, and kind of go that route." But they just, it was just like I said, very all over the place, um, and very anticlimactic way to end the show. Like I said, Hall kind of grabbed the taser gun, zapped them both again, and then boom, we rolled credits and we were, you know, oh, we were dude, out of there he
1: didn't now. zap him. He he. He went to touch him, and he flinched, and the uh, the effect went off, and it, it just it looked terrible.
0: Oh, really? I missed that. I didn't oh, even see God. that. I missed that. Damn. I'll have to go back and watch it, but yeah. Very terrible, a, but, uh, but he oh. sold
1: for a half a second, and then he expected to get hit, so he kind of paused and waited to get hit from behind. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Overall, yeah. when it comes to this show, I—I'll uh, be honest with you, it's—it's it's a mixed bag for me. There's some, there's some solid stuff in there, but then there's a lot of stuff that makes you scratch your head. And then, of course, the 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 the, the guys that were even on the card in the first place, and the amount of talent that wasn't on this show, yeah. was just still baffling to me. So, if I if I, mean, I'm I, kinda if right. I
1: look at uh, WCW in like a bubble, you don't need to watch this pay per view.
0: Oh God, no, absolutely not. Unless you have nothing else to do correct right. with your life so that's So we did it we did our due
1: diligence that's the that's like day 4 of 365 out of the that's year right. so we're done with this day we'll never talk about that
0: that that awful
1: sold out again
0: <laughs> no we won't unless yeah well no we won't we'll make we'll make it a point yeah. not to talk about WCW sold out 1999 ever again
1: no but next week we'll be covering sold out 1998 which will be cool um I, I kind of yeah, preferred that Yes,
0: show. 1998. Yeah, we yeah, we got a lot to cover next week. Um but before we get into next week, uh I thought it would be fitting that we kind of end this end January 17th. Um last few weeks we've been talking about raw nitro yeah. And episodes from 2000. And, you know, you and I kind of discussed it off air about, yes. you know, kind of scaling back a little bit and only discussing things that, you know, are most notable or important. And I'm sure that there's going to be some of you out there that are listening. And by all means, we are open to suggestions. Our suggestion box is never ending. So by all means, Correct. send us suggestions of what you want to hear. If we miss something. There's a reason why 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 we didn't mention it, but if you want us to talk about it, we will, or maybe we right. won't. Who knows? But you can hit us up on social media at Retromania on Facebook and slide into our DMs. And uh, if, if we miss something, by all means, you know, like I said, there's a reason why. But um, I thought I would mention. This didn't happen on this particular episode of Nitro on January 17th of 2000, but um, this was the day that uh, Chris Benoit, who we mentioned earlier, as well as uh, Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, and Eddie Guerrero, walked out of WCW yes, the very night notable. after the sold-out 2000 pay-per-view. Yep. Um, which I thought was um, an interesting development. Uh, Benoit had just won the world title the night prior, defeating Sid Vicious in the main Crazy. event. Um, which was a very... Um, a reconstructed cards because of all the injuries that took place between their crowning the moments
1: there too right
0: yeah and i'll never forget when i re- when i read the results of that pay-per-view and i heard that the match was pretty good and i've gone and watched it in years you know years later and it was a pretty damn good match between Sid and, and Benoit Agreed. um and then they closed the show at the end with Benoit um, being interviewed by Mean Gene, discussing his world title win, and then Nash approaching Benoit and saying, you know, stroke of midnight, I'm the boss, and I'm going to make your life a living hell. I-, I was looking forward to seeing what they were going to do to Benoit, and Benoit was going to be like the, the 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 main focal point character for them as the champion because for years he had been looked at as – a guy with so much potential and so much promise, but just not getting the right breaks because of the political atmosphere in WCW. And I was looking forward to seeing how they were going to, how they were going to go with Benoit against Nash and the new NWO, the silver and black. And when he walked out, I was like, well, you know, that doesn't surprise me. And, and, um, history has showed us throughout the time period within the last week of that time period in 2000, Vince Russo was ousted as the booker. They went with Kevin Sullivan and JJ J. Dillon, Sullivan and Benoit had their issues personally behind the scenes because Benoit, um, slept with Nancy Sullivan, who was married to Kevin Sullivan and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff going on at that point. But, um, yeah, what is an interesting, There's an inter- interesting story I kind of wanted to bring up here before do it, do we, we wrap things up this week um, regarding that situation. Uh, I watched a shoot interview not too long ago with Mike Graham, okay. who's no longer with us. Uh, Mike Graham was in you know the son of the late Eddie Graham from Florida Championship Wrestling, yeah, and Mike in Graham in AWA. Worked- Wrestled, yeah, right, AWA, WCW, big, You know, he was
1: NWA. Named,
0: yeah, WCW, NWA, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling as well. Yep. Um, big part of the territory down there. And uh, Mike Graham also worked behind the scenes as an official for WCW. Now, yes. um, this shoot interview, I mean, it seems very one sided and biased. I will say, Mike Graham. Basically, claims to be the reason why WCW was successful, because he was the one that told Bischoff to hire Hogan. He's the one that told Bischoff to run TV at MGM Studios and Disney. He's the one that told Bischoff to do more pay per views and get rid of Clash of Champions. He claims that he was the guy that gave Bischoff the keys to the kingdom. Okay. and so this is a very if if you go and you watch this back, you're gonna you'll you you'll be able to tell this is a very one sided, you know. Uh, interview uh, right. and, and Graham's not one to mince words. He does not have a nice thing to say about Bischoff. He blames Bischoff as the reason why that company, uh, you know, folded in the first place. It was all Bischoff's fault. Yeah. And you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure on this show and on my show and Kicking Outta Two, the the roller coaster existence of WCW will be discussed more at length. But that's oh, another discussion for another day. Um, Benoit and Graham. The day that Benoit walked out apparently had some words, according to Mike Graham. And I guess um, Benoit went to Bill Bush, who was the president of WCW at the time. And this was after Russo was boost, uh, booted out of the position as the uh, the head booker and went to Bill Bush and said... Um, I don't feel comfortable with, you know, Kevin Sullivan being in charge, and I think he's going to try and sabotage and ruin my career, and, uh, you know, I I want him gone, otherwise we're all leaving. Right. And this is according to Mike Graham. Okay. And Bill Bush basically told them that, um, you know, I can't do that, I'm not going to fire him over you guys, you know, Bill Bush was trying to be the one to work things out. And somehow, in that conversation, I guess Benoit had name-dropped Mike Graham. And you know, saying that Mike Graham's another guy that's gonna you know sabotage and ruin our careers, and so Mike Graham, according to Mike Graham, you know, I'm not gonna speak ill of the dead, but you know, he shows himself in a very favorable light in this in this shoot interview. Goes to Benoit and and basically, um, oh, this is according to Mike Graham. Mike Graham said that you know. Um, I don't know what you're doing, but I don't know what issue you have with me. But uh, you know, Kevin thinks you know Kevin Sullivan thinks highly of you. He just put the world title on you last night. Um, you know, and if it were me, I'd do the opposite because you know, if I had someone, some guy that stole my wife and stole you know my condo in in Daytona Beach and took everything from me. I'd cut your head off on a fucking stick and put it in the front yard so all the kids could kick it around like a soccer ball. Yeah, and <laughs> I guess according to Mike Graham, Benoit went to human uh, human resources within Turner and told them that Mike Graham threatened his life, wow. and so then Mike Graham had to have um, a talking to with human resources and JJ Dillon and um, Truth be told. Benoit and company were gone, and they eventually would go to the WWF uh, just a few weeks later. But uh, that's the story according to Mike Graham as to what took place on that particular day. The day after Benoit um, won the championship from Sid. Uh, Like I said, if you ever look for it, it. um, shoot uh, shoot an interview uh, from RF Video uh, on YouTube. It's uh, Mike Graham. Uh, talking about um, his time in WCW, you know, I'm sure you'll get a chuckle out of it, yeah. and uh, now, you know now, find some interesting little nuggets from it.
1: Yeah. Now, can I get a stab at uh, Kevin Sullivan uh, impersonation, real quick?
0: Yeah. He, uh,
1: the guy Chris Benoit, is just a fantastic wrestler, so I gotta put the title on him, regardless of him fucking my wife. <laughs>
0: That's a good Sullivan. That's probably one of the We're best Sullivan I've heard.
1: We're making money.
0: <laughs> brother. Yeah. <laughs> brother.
1: We're making money, brother. That's pretty
0: good. Yeah. I liked <laughs> I like it. I like it. I can get right. behind it. I, I think Kevin Sullivan's probably gonna have to make more appearances on Market Out the day. Oh uh, for sure. Uh,
1: for, I gotta look at my oh, I'm free. I'm totally free. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's good. That's good, man. All right, you want like to continue,
1: like uh, continue on with? Thank you. You want to continue on with the 2000 Nitro Edition? That that side story was awesome, um. by the way.
0: The, uh, well, I mean, the only thing of of real note was that this was like the changing of the guard in terms of the booking, so they were kind of again. wrapping things up that Russo, yeah, again, that, they, that Russo was doing, so we got the end of the DDP-Buff-Bagwell, um, you know, storyline, which I enjoyed personally, I thought it's something right. that could have dragged on a little longer, but they, uh, they, they had a match on Nitro, it was the main event, and, uh, Kimberly was the guest referee mm. So um, they were kind of like tying up Russell's loose ends there uh, I thought that was some uh, some solid stuff And then uh, the NWO Was still kind of running rough shot But this time officially They didn't have to worry about the old age outlaws anymore uh, Nash was the commissioner It was him and Jarrett and Scott Steiner And they kind of added uh, the Harris brothers Ron and Don Harris To to the group Um And they were going to be crowning a new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Like I said, it was that day, I believe, that Benoit had uh, handed the title over to Bill Bush and walked out of the company. Um, And that's when they set up uh, the the storyline with the NWO and Sid, because Sid was really the only one left. Goldberg was out with an injury. Um, He had sliced his arm, putting it through a limousine window. Bret Hart was out with an injury. Um, You had all the big players out. Sting was out. I mean, everyone you know, all the top guys that you could work, you know, that that you could put the NWO against. There wasn't much left, so Sid was the guy, and uh, it was pretty much a changing of the guard on that episode of Nitro. That's that's really all that I um that, that I remember that was of uh, was of importance.
1: Agreed. Um, same here, um, and that was from Columbus, Ohio. So staying in the Correct. upper Northeast for this episode. Huh? Yes. Um, yes. And- Moving on to the other episode of Monday Night Raw, right?
0: Yes. From New Haven, Connecticut, the New Haven Coliseum, uh, uh, a building that's no longer in existence that has been torn down for a number of years. I actually went to the last um, event at the New Haven Coliseum in 2002. It was the night after uh, SummerSlam 2002 when SmackDown ran a house show. Oh, wow. yeah, it was actually pretty cool. I, that was the first time I'd ever went... Actually, no, I'm sorry. I went to a concert earlier that year, but um, it was the last ever event held at the New Haven Coliseum. And the main event was... Uh, I believe it was... Uh, was Kurt Angle a part of it? I forget, but it was a SmackDown house show. Brock wasn't on the show. The Rock was not on the card either, but you had like the, the likes of Guerrero, Edge, Benoit, Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle... Um, Names like that that were a part of uh, the, the SmackDown uh, brand at that time in 2002. But this episode of Raw in 2000 um, was the go-home edition for uh, the Royal Rumble. And so you had all kinds of uh, you know uh, loose ends that needed to be tied up before you got to the Rumble. But this episode of Raw for me personally, what I remember most about it was when the Dudleys put Terry Runnels through the table. And this was the, or was it Terry, was it May? No, it was May Young. They put May Young through the table. Excuse yeah, me, yeah. and um, the and this was the first time that the Dudleys used a table like that in WWE. And this was the change, like I said, from the Bubba Ray stuttering gimmick to the the more serious uh, super heel Dudleys. This was probably the closest thing you would ever get to what they were in ECW. Oh, agreed, agreed. Um,
1: yeah, that that was cool. You get a you get a decent. Um, What could have been a decent match between Rikishi and Jericho for the Intercontinental Championship, um, but it it, it was just Mm -hmm. filled with so much shit with the China stuff and everything. Um, Oh, yeah. Then you have Test, our boy Test, coming off that hot rub from, uh, you know, (laughs) the wedding shit.
0: Almost being a McMahon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He wins the hardcore title. Pretty cool,
0: right? Oh, yes, that's right. Yep. Yes, that's right. I remember that now. Okay.
1: Yeah. Right. Um He gets... Uh, and, the of, and the He gets Boss Man with the Nightstick. So that was the first match on the card, and he wins the hardcore title. That's before, I guess, it's kind of 24-7, right? It was more yeah, contained as a title. Um,
0: I believe... Yeah, yeah, it was just, you know, you know, two guys in a match and, you know, sh- straight up, but, you know, with hardcore rules. Um, and then, yeah, I think Test was the last guy to hold it before they did the 24-7 thing, and that's, that's when Crash would institute it and the title would become, you know, what it's probably most known for now.
1: Nice, yeah, yeah, big win for Test here, right? <clears throat> um, All right, the main event, New Age Outlaws against Big Show and The Rock. This was uh, okay.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, it was a raw main event. Yeah, it was a raw main event, and you know, they were trying to really build on the seeds of dissension between The Rock and The Big Show because they were the two bigger names that were going to be in that Royal Rumble match um, later on that week. So uh, it was it was all right stuff. I I mean, I'm not you know, I'm I'm, I'm not you know uh, losing sleep over uh, over over watching it or not watching it. I should say.
1: Yeah, uh we get the tension there with the rock and big show building there. But uh yeah, they're like like we said go home to the Royal Rumble show where Cactus Jack would challenge Triple H.
0: Yes, for the World Wrestling Federation Championship in a New York City street fight which uh um
1: Madison Square we, we Garden we won- again.
0: Yes, another garden show. But that's not a Rumble we'll be covering next week, as next week we've we're gonna we're gonna mark the days down we are done with january the 17th thank you all so very very much for being a part of another edition of marking out the days with kobe and myself i hope you guys are enjoying this this nostalgic field trip down professional wrestling memory lane each and every week the magic Um,
1: school bus of wrestling Podcast.
0: the magic school bus of wrestling podcast that's right we're gonna make a t-shirt out of that someday (laughs) for sure um maybe even a three-quarter sleeve baseball shirt but there we go um yeah, because I'm I, I'm a three quarter sleep baseball shirt kind of guy, especially this time of year. Sweet, um, you know, and in, in going into the springtime and baseball season. But uh, yeah, next week we've got a lot. We got a lot of Royal Rumble to discuss for you on January the 24th. Is we're going to be discussing the 1988 Royal Rumble, which was the very first Royal Rumble. We'll also cover 1993 and 1999, and we're also going to cover nwa bunkhouse stampede which took place on the same evening as the 1988 royal rumble we'll probably touch upon some moments from raw and nitro episodes in 2000 if we don't don't hold it against us because there's a reason why we don't cover that shit okay just yeah. want you all to know that but, we kind of put you know, a
1: ceiling about about 15 years of coverage 15 to 20 yeah. years and then the notable things that are in between those 15 and 20 years we just highlighted like we did
0: And we will also cover WCW sold out 1998, which was a much better show than 1999 and 2000 for sure. So we're probably going to enjoy discussing that show more so than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, There's moments from an episode of Monday Night Raw 1994, the night after the 1994 Royal Rumble. I'm sure there's going to be some nuggets there that we're going to touch upon. And a certain former World Wrestling Federation president who will be named nameless right now you'll have to tune in next week to find out has passed away on january the 24th in professional wrestling history so tune in next week right here for all of that and so much more on marking out the days
1: yes indeed and we continue to mark out the days and dave you mark out a lot yourself uh those quote-unquote days but you turn them into podcasts and episodes over at kicking out at two and right now you're doing a lot of the rundown of the royal rumble so we will be glossing over some of those royal rumble moments but we'll be highlighting and load lighting the stuff that we liked or did not like as we always do here at marking out on the day marking out the days um so dave you want to tell them what's going on over at kicking out at two
0: all right, like I said earlier in the at the top of this program, uh oh, I'm this sorry. Week on, I'm sorry.
1: No no
0: no that's okay. I'll 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 for those that missed it, you know, nothing wrong with a little refresher. Uh <laughs> Over at soundcloud.com, you can find it. Search Kicking Out at 2. We have the part two of our second place, the first loser Royal Rumble runner up retrospective. Chris Donovan and I sit down to discuss runners up from 2004 all the way to 2018 the wouldas, the couldas, and the shouldas, and how these runners up fare in Royal Rumble history. And next week over at soundcloud.com on January the 23rd, before marking out the day's drops, Check us out over kicking out at 2 January 23rd, SoundCloud.com as we are going to do a special Royal Rumble match watch-along from the year 1994. We talked a little bit about the build-up towards the Royal Rumble in 1994 on that episode of Raw and that, that fan cam show that Kobe reviewed. Well, we're going to do a watch-along of the 1994 Royal Rumble match. Most notably known for the first and only time two individuals were co-winners. Bret Hitman Hart, Lex Simultaneously eliminated each other Couldn't figure out a winner We went off the air without one definitive winner Brett and Lex became the co-winners of that Royal Rumble We're going to do a special watch-along I'm not sure who's going to be joining me at that time um, To to do the watch-along I'm sure I'll find someone to sit down with me And discuss uh, and watch the 1994 Royal Rumble match We're not going to do the whole show Not going to bore you for two and a half hours But we're going to cover that Royal Rumble It's going to be the 25th anniversary to the date that Brett Hitman Hart and Made in the USA Lex Luger were the co-winners of the 1994 Royal Rumble match. So stay tuned next Wednesday, January the 23rd, SoundCloud.com, Royal Rumble 1994 watch-along.
1: Yeah, and where else can we find you at Kicking Out at 2?
0: You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. You can hit that like button if you have not already. If you have, then please tell someone who loves throwback pro wrestling at its finest. We get all kinds of pictures and videos, discussions, links to archive shows. Head on over facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. And you can do so on Twitter as well. If you're not a Facebook guy, but you like to do the Twitter machine, <laughs> then you can head over to Twitter as well. Our handle is at kicking out to K I C K N O U T the number two. The same kind of fun we're having over on Facebook. We're doing it on Twitter, but 140 characters or less. Kobe, why don't you let everyone know what's going on in your world at Retromania?
1: Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. And I really do look forward to your shows more and more now that I've uh, we've collaborated more. I've been listening to your back archive and uh, stuff that you've been putting out recently. So I, I do look forward to these Royal Rumble rundowns. And uh, maybe I can be a co capadre I know we're supposed to watch something else later. Uh, This month, but uh, yeah, uh, I love to watch wrestling and podcast, and that's what we do over at Retromania.blogspot.com, as well as moholradio.com. Retromania, we have Hulkamania is dead, and we just aired episode 12, where we had the 1990 SummerSlam and Survivor Series. That's coming off the heels of Sting winning the WWF Championship from Macho Man's Randy Savage, as well as the introduction of The Undertaker. This is a fantasy-booked wrestling podcast. It's the most original wrestling podcast where we like to have fun and uh, uh, just book our own stuff since 1984. And we had Hulk Hogan have his leg broken, and we we're doing it until 1993. So the next episode that will air is episode 13, the 1991 Royal Rumble. And that's where we run down every contestant in the Royal Rumble. We book it from the top to the bottom, one through thirty. And uh we have buzzers, you know, little storylines in between the match, you know. It's 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 a whole lot of fun. So you can join in the fun on Facebook at RetroMania with a W, as well as Twitter at Retromania Pod, and you can always write to us at at retromania podcast at gmail dot com and uh we're open to suggestions and we love to have fun and that's what we do here is try to grow the wrestling community and interesting wrestling podcast fandom uh you know like that we have you know you and I have a good connection here and uh and uh I hope everybody enjoys marking out the days.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely for sure. And uh I will definitely have you on at some point in the very near future. Maybe maybe you'll uh maybe you'll join me uh for the 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 rumble uh, you know, uh the watch along. Not sure yet. I got to cool. figure out a few things. I got, I know there's a few other people I talked with that might be able to do it. And, and you know me from a technological standpoint. You're in Baltimore, I'm in Connecticut. <laughs> so, you know, we got to we got to figure out all yep. of that first before we get to, you know, um you know before before we get to it but like don't worry man you're definitely going to be on future no editions of kicking out of two you're going to be you're going to be like furniture man at some point you're going to be like furniture <laughs> that you know it, it's going to be hard to get rid of so
1: <laughs> but nice. um
0: yeah i i look forward to having you on many many episodes of kicking out of two in the very near future
1: awesome as well as you on retromania um uh, i need to do a catch up on gaijin wrestling radio so kind of talking about wrestle kingdom the avenue that they're going in new japan um and some nxt stuff i know you watched the nxt uk show uh recently yes um i had a yes, lot of fun with that that was my first experience with nxt uk since the original tournament for the title with where pete Dunne and tyler Bate had their classic match
0: yes yes it was a fun show i will say um i i don't watch religiously every single week. My, I know my brother doesn't. He loves NXT UK. He thinks they're like the hottest brand that WWE has out right now. And wow. I watched a few shows and it's, it's not bad, but okay. I haven't watched as religiously, but this show the, um was, was a very good show um, and agreed. certainly didn't disappoint.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um, so yeah, you can catch you and I on our separate feeds. And as always here at marking out the days uh, again, Dave, too sweet, to you from uh, from Maryland to Connecticut, and uh, yeah. Too sweet. Yes, indeed. Uh, have a good one, man. I'm gonna try to make it out to the grocery store while it's still snowing. We got like eight oh, inches boy. here right
0: now. But uh, yikes! That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, hey, you know how I measured? Um, no. Oh boy. <laughs> um, I had to do it three times. Sorry. Oh boy. <laughs> Okay, anyhow. On that note. Yes, <laughs> indeed. All right, man. Uh, take care. All
0: right.